And Michigan comes to have a little extra pep in their step with Linus and Lucy Vince Garaldi. The Peanuts theme, it's our theme right through Christmas time here in focus on this uh, kind of gray again, Tuesday, December 5th. It looked like snow the last couple of days, but so far we haven't had any. Dave Rieger ready to go, our producer, Danielle Mason pushing all the right buttons, Rich Luzinski, our WJR traffic and weather first, and most importantly, you, the best and brightest audience in all of radio. This happens uh, all the time. I bring something to the table, and then I, I don't get a chance to uh, to use it. And yesterday... Uh, I brought something to the table that now I regret not using because it became a very big news story throughout the day. And that is the story of Brenda Lee and rocking around the Christmas tree becoming number one for the first time in its 60-year existence. And I, I isolated that story from the New York Times uh, over the, I don't know if it was over the weekend or whenever, because there was one factoid that you might find hard to believe, as I did. When Brenda Lee was releasing songs like that, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, 60-whatever years ago. Wait a second, here's a story right in front of my face. I want to see if I can blow this up and see it a little better. I can even give you a little year action here. Brenda Lee, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, finally hits number one. She made Billboard chart history with her classic, topped the Billboard 100 singles chart for the first time since it was released in 1958. Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree now holds the record for the longest gap between a song's release and its appearance at the top of the Hot 100. The track is only the third Christmas song to top the Hot 100. The other two would be Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. And can either of you, Dave, Danielle, Rich, guess what the other one was? Christmas song that made the top three in the Hot 100 in history. All I Want for Christmas is You. Number one was Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, finally hitting number one since 1958. And what do you think the third song that made it onto the Hot 100? That's a that's a good question. You'll never get this. I, yeah, I mean, I I have no idea. When you hear, you'll say, well, that makes sense. I'm going to say Feliz Navidad. That would have been my guess. That's a great one. But it was the Chipmunk song. Oh. Really? Ah. By the Chipmunks. Wow. <laughs> we got Dave excited. <laughs> it's, it's by, he has all the Chipmunks records. Uh, with uh, David Seville and, of course, wow. uh, you know. Um, anyway, so that was it. But here's the point. Here's why I cut it out of the paper and carried it around and then lost it in my stack of stuff and never got to it yesterday. Who do you think the opening act for Brenda Lee was 60, I don't know, 60 years ago? She was the headliner. And who do you think her opening act was? And this was in the, this was back in the 50s or the 60s? I'm going to say 60s. I can't say for sure. Oh, that's another good question. The song um, came out in 58, but she made a lot of hay off that, and she traveled and, I don't know. and performed. Unbelievably, unless, Danielle, you want to throw something up. I know these are decades before you were alive. but <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'll sit back and listen here. Okay. The Beatles. I was going to guess the Beatles. Oh, man. Seriously? Yes. I never would I have guessed that the Beatles ever opened for anybody, no. let alone Brenda Lee. I would like to get your opinion on this because I I have a, a favorite Christmas song, and I take a lot of heat oh, because I think this song is brilliant, and I take a lot of heat from it. It's not. And nobody else likes it, but I like it. Okay. I, and I, it's, Paul I couldn't even... it's Paul McCartney's Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. Well, and that's I, a fine song. I think it's a great song, but everybody's like, oh, that song's horrible. I it's think it's horrible. Great. I think it's great. I think it's fine. I don't. I don't think it's horrible. I. I. It wouldn't have been my first pick for my favorite Christmas. So I, I. I break up. I, of course, I, I. You know, the good McDonald's commercial. I break up. I cry. Um, but White Christmas, oh. Bing Crosby. Yeah. I mean, that's just that gets right to me. It just always does. I hope it always will.
Yeah. A lot of people like White Christmas, the movie, the song. Yeah. I like the song. I'm, there are plenty of My movies. mom loves that movie. <laughs> well, God bless your mom. Um, and and uh, this All I Want for Christmas is you got a big push from uh, that film that I came back from an airplane ride. Oh, Kim will hear me and Kim will fill me in because I can't. I, can't we, I just watched it again the other night with her. What the heck was it? That song is in it. All I Want for Christmas is you. The Mariah Carey song, right? I don't think it's. I don't. I don't know. I gotta. I, I don't know. I. I. I should have asked Kim this before I. Uh, before I started uh, talking about. It. I'm going to give you the build up, and hopefully, I'll give you the name of the song. I came back from a trip, which is on planes is where I've watched most of my movies. I'm afraid, I'd rather be watching them at Imagine Theater with the fresh popcorn and real butter. But that aside, I watched this film on the airplane, and I loved it. It was spectacular. I couldn't wait to get back on the air and to recommend it to everybody. I said, this is a fabulous Christmas movie. And and I just watched it again the other day. And the theme music that runs through that runs through the film. Marie Osborne just let me know. It's Love Actually. That's it. Uh, yeah. Love Actually. Have either of you seen it? Yeah. That's one of my faves. It's a great film, but you understand. I watched it on a plane, and I came back and said, you got to watch this thing. Then the next time I saw it was on my television on one of those channels, and there was nudity in it that was not there when I was on the plane. And here I am on the air blathering about it being a great family Christmas movie. And I I watched it and said, what? That, That scene wasn't in the movie on the plane? And I, that's when I realized they obviously edited it for the, the airplane. So I felt so embarrassed. I stand by this film, Love Actually, as being a fabulous film. But there's, there is, I, I guess the word would be gratuitous, gratuitous nudity. There's nudity. There's, it's like they needed to somehow, maybe that, that was made during the time. It was made many, many years ago. And there was a time when you had to have an R rating to sell a lot of tickets to your movies. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, it was back in the day. Yeah, I think Marie Osborne would remember that, too. That, for whatever reason, the other movies, G's, God forbid, or PG's, weren't selling. So they put in a whole line of 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 story that didn't need to be there. And, in fact, the proof is it was, like, removed from the, the film on the airplane, and I never missed it. I was shocked to see it after I was saying, it is not a film for the little kids. It's not a film for kids because of that nudity. But everything else about that film is spectacular. I mean, not that the nudity isn't spectacular. I'm just saying, not for kids. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle, for paying close attention. It, it, it's not for kids. and But it's a beautiful, the sentiment in that film, the love uh, and the holiday season. Oh, and the, whoever did the, the score... It just it gets blended into scene after scene, and it's perfect. I mean, perfect. So I guess I've said enough about love, actually. And Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree, hitting number one. Been out since 1958, breaking all kinds of records. But think of that. The Beatles were once her opening act. The Beatles opened for Brenda Lee. It still blows my mind. I... I it blows my mind. Uh, speaking of good football, last night's football game was one of the best, don't you think? Jacksonville, Cincinnati. It was a real good game. Two back, two ended ended up with two backup quarterbacks going at each other. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good game. Cincinnati wins in overtime. That overtime thing is so stupid. It when is. are they going to get smart? They need to go. I think they need to go to the college rules. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, generally, it didn't happen last night, but generally, whoever wins the toss wins the game. You shouldn't have a game decided by a coin toss. Anyway, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus. Whatever you celebrate, you're at the right place with Relentless Positive Radio and Joy of the Holidays. It's Focus with Paul W. Smith right here on WJR or at thegreatvoice.com or have you streamed us yet? Stream us live at WJR.com, Alexa, and Google Home. Or download the WJR app. And remember, at thegreatvoice.com, you can get some of our interviews and the entire show 
to play at your convenience as we continue on WJR. All righty. Um, speaking of Marie Osborne, who helped me very much, the film Love Actually, I'll ask her at the end of her report if she really liked the film or not, and also a quick observation on the number of bunt cake uh, tins that Marie has. I, I have a I have a picture, and she may have a bunt cake uh, form, tin form, whatever they call them, uh, issue. But we'll talk about that after the important story here that reads like a fast-paced Tom Clancy novel. A career American diplomat with what we thought was a stellar decades-long career is uncovered as a spy for the communist government of Cuba. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne says the story is real. And it unraveled in Miami this week. What a story, Marie. It is. So many people are talking about this, Paul. And it's unbelievable that 73-year-old Manuel Rocha flew under the radar radar for 40 years. He's now been charged with serving as a secret agent for Cuba, a scheme prosecutors say was one of the most brazen, long-running betrayals in the history of the U.S. Foreign Service. Rocha had previously served in top posts in Bolivia and other posts in Italy, Honduras, Mexico, and the Dominican Republic. He also worked as a Latin American expert for the National Security Council. So he was privy to many, many secrets. He was arrested at his home in Miami. The Justice Department didn't disclose how Rocha came to the attention of Cuba's intelligence operatives. Cuba has a long history of sophisticated intelligence services that target government officials who can be flipped. The Rocha case relies on what prosecutors say were his own admissions made over the last year to an undercover FBI agent. He bragged to this undercover agent about his long service as a Cuban mole in the State Department. He even praised the former Cuban leader, Fidel Castro, calling him Comandante. He met with this undercover agent at a church in an outdoor food court in downtown Miami. And when he arrived at those meetings, he was said to have employed evasive movements on his route. Prosecutors <laughs> say <laughs> prosecutors say this was a classic counter-surveillance trade craft as taught to him by Cuban spy masters. Paul, at his first court appearance, he sat handcuffed and crying. He yeah, was ordered he was help- crying because he got caught. Yep, he was ordered to held uh, pending a bond hearing, and and we learned this morning that there may be more, ch- more charges coming his way. Let me tell you, this guy was an idiot in, in several ways. Uh, first of all, uh, the old expression, loose lips sink ships, comes here. This guy was, the case relies largely on what prosecutors say was Roca's own admissions uh-huh. that he was bragging to this undercover FBI agent about. What an idiot. He should have just shut up. That's number one. Number two, I got to ask you something. Yes. If you're going to be a counter spy, why would you choose a pipsqueak little sad country like Cuba to be the the spy for? What's in it for? I don't even know what's in it for Cuba, let alone for this guy. Really, Cuba? What are, um, what are they doing? You know the uh, the uh, enemy of my friend is my. You know that saying, right? <laughs> yes. So. I just I just think about Cuba's friends, namely Russia. All right. So I think that might be so where you connect the dots. maybe that's where it's dots. coming through yet. It's not, maybe. It's, it's, I don't my, know. My first thought was, we can get some Monte Cristo cigars. <laughs> cigars, uh, right? I have a place where you can do that. No, now. I don't think it has anything to do with cigars. No, I think that not. it has something to do with friendships. But I'm not a spy. I don't know. No. It, well, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Can we take you at your word? That you're I not hope a spy? so. Okay. We've had no indication. We have not noticed you taking a circuitous route to uh, to come <laughs> to, to the work. Fisher Building. <laughs> Did you um, ever notice that Marie parks at a different spot every day? Yeah. Most of us park in the same spot. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, Even if it's do. not assigned to us, we, we park in the same spot. We absolutely do. Yep, absolutely. And, and there's a question out there about whether backing in or pulling in forward is better. And I, I don't want to get into it right now. We don't have time. But we'll we'll talk about important things like that as well. Well, uh, this guy's, I mean, he's a traitor, and in the uh-huh. the old days, a traitor would be uh, lined up, tied to a pole, and shot. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen to him. Yeah, the real old days. They haven't done that in a long yeah, time. The, the real old days. Yeah. Uh, you mean when 
things were better in some ways and worse in others. But anyway, um, somehow we got rid of all of it. Whether it was better or worse, we got rid of it. So there you are. It is what it is. Um, I, I don't know. I. It, this is a fascinating story that this guy pulled this off for 40 years. Can you imagine all the information he might have passed? And why wasn't he, why was he not discovered before that's another, this? That's another good question. Yeah. Mm. Many things to think about. That's this a is good an question that points in a bad direction for yeah, us. For us. Because believe me, if this guy is doing it for Cuba, think of how many people are doing it for China and Russia. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's a terrible thought. A terrible thought. Yep. So I do want to say, uh, how much? Yeah, I got a couple minutes here with you. I always love our time together. Marie Osborne with us, um, and, and that is, first of all, when I was when I got your message, and thanks for bailing me out because I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> I love that movie, so oh, that's you, why. Uh, okay, that's oh, what I, I want. I love, to love, 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 love that movie. Oh, good. So it's so, so sweet. But so do you good. agree with me that uh, there's no sense to have that one storyline that goes that introduces nudity? There's no. I saw it on an airplane. It oh. wasn't in there. I came back. I suggested everybody see that. It's a great family film," said I, not knowing there was nudity in it. Not that nudity should be bad, but that's a whole other story, and I don't want to go down that path. Anyway, I don't think they needed that. I think they just needed to get an R rating to get people to go to the movie from 20 <laughs> years yeah. ago, 40 years. I don't know how many. It's a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, it's mild by today's standards. Oh, it oh, is. It so is. So mild. Without question, it is. But I'm, I loved, no pun intended, I loved Love Actually. But now I do want to talk about something serious. Um, we were talking about bunt cakes and those bunt cake... Uh, are they called a bunt cake form or a bunt cake pan? Pan. Pan. pan just a pan. Uh, you sent me a picture. One, two, three, four, five. I can see six, but you said you have many more. You have many more of these in my storage closet. At one point, do you decide you might have a bunt cake pan thing? Not until I have all of them. I don't know what it is about a bunt cake pan, but if you show me that, I go... I have to have, and I mean, I like, I have to have it now. My husband hides a magazine that we get from the, from the, um, from a baking company, the oh King Arthur Baking Company, because I'm always buying these pans out of there. And he says, you don't need any more of these pans. Well, so I, he throws the catalog out. I don't like that. Kim had just bought one and it was, uh, it, it, and it came just in time for Thanksgiving and she made a chocolate bundt cake mm. with all these peaks and, and valleys. Yeah. And then she sprinkled, uh, that confectionery powdered sugar, sugar. On, powdered mm, sugar mm, on top mm. to look like snow. Yeah. They call it snow. Oh, there you are. And the bakery parlance. It's let's, <laughs> yeah, they'll say, put some snow on that. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> what do you think of the, uh, the tater tot wild lady? You know what? I haven't watched the video, so let me watch right. it, and then I, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll be very interested in you as an accomplished chef, what your thoughts will be. She claims she's playing a role. So I'm that, sorry. That she's tater not tots really. are delicious, okay? Well, so, I love tater tots. Yeah. There's no question. You don't need to make a casserole for me to like, like tater tots. She says that's the only way her husband will eat them. Oh, but, I mean, the mm -hmm. way she does it, it's very gruff and abrupt. She slams the pan down. She... She takes hands full of stuff and says, ah, this looks like right. Ah, do that and whatever. Of course it's good. I made it. So, I mean, she, but she says she's playing a role. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Marie. Thank you. Marie Osborne, WJR Senior News Analyst, here with Paul W. on WJR. So nice to welcome back uh, an old pal that we used to talk to. In, well, we've talked to him in several of his jobs right now, uh, Peter Hoekstra. A distinguished senior fellow at Gatestone Institute. He was the United States ambassador to the Netherlands from 2018 to 2021. He served 18 years in the House of Representatives, representing the second district of Michigan, including as chairman and ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee. Peter, so nice to catch up with you, sir. Welcome back. It, uh, it is great to be with you, and it's great to be with you on a uh, on a Michigan uh, weekend and a Michigan month, right? Yep, it was a great Michigan weekend, that's for sure, and here's hoping for a great Michigan month right up through the new year. That's what we're hoping for. What, tell me what you're doing as a distinguished senior fellow at Gatestone Institute. I'm not familiar. Tell me about Gatestone Institute, too. 
Uh, uh, Gatestone's kind of a think tank. Uh, they have a number of uh, folks with extensive background in foreign policy, foreign affairs, national security. Uh, I write for them. I publish uh, probably once every two or three weeks. They publish one of my articles. Uh, I speak for them around the country. Uh, I'm down in, uh, you know, down in Florida today. I'm speaking to a group uh, on behalf of uh, the Gatestone Institute, and uh, so it keeps it keeps me involved, uh, you know, talking about the issues that I have a passion for. Well, good for you. And and one of the articles that I, either Dave Rieger, somebody, I think Dave saw it, my producer, and pointed it out to us, and therefore that's why you're here, Peter. Uh, something about patent trolls that are a big and pricey problem and small businesses can't afford it? Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, what you have is, uh, hey, we all know that lawyers are very, very creative, right? Uh, and so are the American people. It's one of our strengths. We're creative. But when they, <laughs> these creative people start using the our patent system, you know, patents are intended to protect inventors, to protect an innovation. But what you now have is you have people that go out and they write very, very loose patents. Uh, they get them through the patent office because there's such a backlog. And so they get expedited through the process. And then what these people do with these broad patents is they sue innovators who they say, hey, you know, pay us 20. I think we just lost Peter. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we did. I'm going to call him back. Peter, we did lose Peter. All right, good. Um, it's a remarkable thing. What I think he's about to say is that that these patent trolls put these loose patent ideas in and then go after anybody that has anything that's similar to what they claim they have the, the patent for. And what he was saying, I think, was, hey, uh, you're doing this and we have a patent for it and you can't do it. And this small business is already established and they can't stop everything. They'll be out of business. So these patent trolls apparently say, hey, Give us, I think he was about to say $20,000. Give us $20,000 and you can continue doing what you're doing. At least that's what it sounds like. He's I back. wonder, uh, Peter, we, we lost you as you were saying. These patent trolls do a kind of a loose patent, covers a lot of areas, and they come upon somebody who's doing something legally and they say, hey, you're infringing on a patent we have, but we'll let you do that if you pay us like $20,000. Yeah. And so the. Uh... You know, the poor innovator or this poor small business, they're looking at it. Okay, let's see. I can pay uh, ten, fifteen thousand bucks, or what I do is I end up, uh, you know, I end up in court potentially. Uh, and so, you know, we're out to protect the innovators, the small businesses uh, from these patent trolls. But I think the most dangerous thing is, you know, I watched the Chinese for years, and what the Chinese did is they, you know, when I was in Congress, they were going to our research universities and those types of things. They were stealing our technology and our innovation. And and now they've discovered this patent loophole. So they're fighting or they're filing patents. They're getting them approved here in the United States. uh, And now there's evidence that they're going out and harassing American businesses. And they'll not only harass them for money, but they'll also go out and harass them for the intellectual property uh, that these companies have. So it's another fishing expedition by the Chinese Communist Party to, uh, you know, to go at the strength of America, which is our business community, our research, and our innovation. Unbelievable. I, I mean, yeah. the, the, the chi- Peter Hoekstra with us, distinguished senior fellow at Gatestone Institute. Now you remember he was in the House of Representatives forever. Um, ambassador to the Netherlands. They've been stealing our intellectual property forever. And I'll tell you the quick story because I hear the music. In China, I'm at the China Auto Show. I'm with one. Of, I'm with the head of GM. I won't even name him now. It's not necessary. But I said, uh, you know what? The Chinese clearly bought a Chevrolet Impala, tore it apart, and took all the intellectual information and built it back themselves. And now they call it something else that's close to Chevrolet Impala, but it isn't that. And uh, what are you going to do about that? And he said, well, we're going to check that out. If that's true, that's uh, stealing our intellectual property, and I'll go right to the government of China and talk to them. And I I said, but the government of China is who's doing it. That was a long, long time ago, and they've continued, and apparently they've honed their skills, and now they're into this 
patent trolling thing. God bless you for bringing it up, Peter. Yeah. Uh, we hope to hear from you again soon. We will keep talking to you. Hey, thanks. Have a great uh, Christmas season. You too. Sorry we lost the signal there for a while. We cut into our time. It is uh, 1244 WJR. Our next guest, well, you know, the, the beauty of being around as long as I have been, I remember certain things. I, I As long as I can remember, I've had a bad memory, but some things I do remember. And our next guest was an editorial cartoonist for the Detroit News. Uh, he does write uh, uh, articles, uh, not just for the Detroit News now, National Review and other places. In 1987, he was a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize in editorial cartooning, and he won the Society of Professional Journalists Excellent in uh, Excellence in Journalism Award in 2019-2022. And he's gotten into that serious writing, which is why we are calling upon Henry Payne, uh, the auto columnist and former editorial cartoonist of the fine Detroit News. Henry, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hey, Henry, please, you. I'm still uh, drawing cartoons. Are you on a speakerphone? No, just on earbuds. Can you take the earbuds off? I don't know. It just, it's just not sounding great. And the last time we had Henry on, actually was when we talked about uh, him going to school with Stockton Rush, you know, the guy uh, who had the submersible that sadly uh, uh, blew apart underwater. And we had a guy on who'd been on that submersible, good friend uh, who'd been on that submersible before, said he would never do it again because he feared for his life, and, and he was actually right. But anyway, let's see if we can understand Henry a little better. You there? Yes, I took the earbuds down. That yeah, that was better. better. Reception? There's a heck of a delay. Are you underwater or on the moon? <laughs> no, I'm in Oakland County, not too far away. Oh my gosh, we sometimes get a we get a better connection from China sometimes. All right, I want to talk about this jarring article, but you better stop and smell the roses because it's going to get worse. But the new Motor City is found in California, not Detroit. A lot going on in the auto industry these days, Paul. And you, you, you think it's interesting. You go back to the early 20th century, and how did Detroit become yet an epicenter of automobiles? A lot of it had to do with the fact that this was a crossroads of industry. Right? You had a tremendous rail infrastructure here. You had coal in uh, Kentucky. You had the Pittsburgh. You had iron ore up in Wisconsin. And so... Uh, uh, Detroit had, had it was already a, 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 a hub for railroad manufacturing, for rail car manufacturing. So you had this tremendous entrepreneurial group here, uh, and, and uh, that, that was was creating, was competing. Uh, Oldsmobile, Brothers, Ford, Buckley. Uh, this became the the epicenter of, uh, of the uh, 20th century automobile because of that entrepreneur. Activity you have today, early 21st century. Where is that entrepreneurial fervor? It is in California and uh, you know, Silicon Valley and the digital industrial revolution. The digital revolution is in California, and that dovetails with electric vehicles. I mean, electric vehicles are basically uh, smartphones on wheels. And so, if you're looking to create an auto startup, these. Uh, you know, Mullen, Lucid, Tesla, you're out there in California where you have access to all these entrepreneurs, all these software entrepreneurs. So it's an, it's an interesting dynamic that's forcing a lot of these starts to California. Well, let me tell you something, Henry, and I, next time we talk, we're going to make sure we have a good line first because this one's not working so well. But I'll say this. Um, this is just the beginning of our Motor City, Motown, Detroit getting uh, cherry-picked and hit by other countries and even by our own country, uh, even though I sometimes think of L.A. as a different country, that being another story. Um, wait until the whole force of the UAW contract comes into effect. Wait until you see how the dealers are affected by deals the at least Stellanis made, if not all of them, because I think they're basically all the same contract, where employees of the factories now we'll get a car with a little money taken out of their check, like 1% or something, bypassing the dealers pretty much all the way. Dealers get a, The dealers get like 500 bucks 
for handling the transaction, but the dealers will not be selling those cars anymore. And you and I both know, Henry, in this market, the biggest customers for the auto industry and for the dealers are people who work in the auto industry, people who work at the factories, UAW members. So this is a this is a very big deal, and we haven't even begun to feel the effects of the new UAW contract. Henry Payne, auto columnist and the cartoonist, thanks for being with us as we continue on WJR. I had to write that down, what Kevin was just talking about. Kevin Dietz, I've got shoulder pain. It's driving me crazy. Shoulderreliever.com. Shoulderreliever.com. I am definitely going to uh, go online um, and uh, and uh, getting that uh, looked at at least because I, I, I got anything hurt on you, Rieger? You're too young for anything to hurt on you. No, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I just got the shoulder thing, and I'm not even going to ask Daniel Mason. I could ask Rich, Rich Luzinski. I don't know if he can hear me right now because he's so busy getting our WJR traffic and weather first. Rich, any any pains on, on your body? Uh, he can't hear me. Okay. Do I have any pain? No. Oh. No, okay. I'm great. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, I follow you on, uh, I see you on Instagram a lot. Thank and, you. I uh, appreciate that. Nothing that should get you hurt, however. No, nothing that would be in the unedited version of Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you are listening. Oh, yeah. Good for, good for you. I know how busy you are over there in the uh, super secret uh, traffic and weather first uh, building. First time caller, a longtime fan. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. And I a long time I'm a long time fan of yours. All right, so um shoulderreliever.com. I can't it's the first time I heard that commercial and I I didn't realize there were as many people in trouble like that as me. Anyway, uh Dave Rieger, producer Danielle Mason uh, running the controls, uh, Rich Luzinski uh is doing the uh, WJR traffic and weather first and uh the uh, the program mom Ann Thomas has always been the program mom, but now she's actually the program uh, director. We appreciate that. Have you streamed this yet? That's a real simple thing to do. It is the future, and the future is now. Uh, You can stream us live at WJR.com, Alexa, and Google Home. You can, of course, download the WJR app. And then uh, if you want to listen to the show in its entirety at your convenience, you can get that at thegreatvoice.com. Now, I'm a little confused. I think that's the only place you get the podcast, but I could very well be wrong because you know it's technology and you know it's me. But thegreatvoice.com is a very easy way to hear some of our interviews. Rieger, we're supposed to put all the interviews up there individually, but I don't think we are. But we do have the whole show there at thegreatvoice.com. Are we going to put all the interviews, or are we still just doing a certain number of we them? We do a certain number of the interviews, but the entire show is uh, is on. And you can it's listen to it there. in a little over an hour. It's pretty pretty easy, pretty good. Um, today... And I, this this contains uh, bad news, so I'm just giving you, in our Relentless Positive Radio, I'm just going to tell you this. Um, today is National Comfort Food Day. Do you do you have a comfort food? Do you have a go-to comfort food? A go-to comfort food. I have a, I have a favorite meal that I like. I don't know if it would be considered a comfort food. Well, it probably gives you comfort when you have your but, favorite uh, meal. I, I'm a big fan of a uh, of like grilled chicken and, and, and a rice pilaf. Okay. Anything? Uh, have you developed one yet, young Danielle? Um, my my comfort food is um, uh, beef stroganoff. That's that what sounds we're... that sounds good. That, that sounds like comfort that, food. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have good. a. I. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that all food is comforting to me, but let's pass right past that for just a second. Today is National Comfort Food Day, and comfort food is traditionally defined as a food that is sentimental to us. The term comfort food traced back to 1966 in a Palm Beach Post story. Psychological studies have turned up evidence that comfort foods we crave are actually artifacts. I wouldn't have used that word, but artifacts from our past. So it's like something that you had growing up. I mean, it could be a bowl of Cheerios. It could be SpaghettiOs for some of us. It, it's something from our past. Now, listen to this. A 2005 Cornell University survey of 277 men and women found that females tend to seek comfort in sweet and sugary foods like ice cream, while males prefer savory comfort foods like steak and soup. And for me, I would have the steak and soup and then the ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
feeling feeling both my feminine and masculine self. But listen to this. Here's the part I don't like. So if you don't like bad news, well, I, here it is. A recent study published in Health Psychology suggests that comfort foods, comfort foods don't actually make us feel any better. You know what I say about that study? Well, that's what... That's what I say about that study. Don't let them take your comfort food away from you. Don't let it happen. There's just too many people out there. Thank you for that applause. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that overwhelming show of support. Only There are only two people in the booth, and only one of them was clapping. Okay. I'm still trying to get over this whole theory that uh, comfort food comes from something in your past. No, I yeah. agree with that. That's why beef stroganoff is my comfort food, because that's the one thing my mom made on Sunday nights, a oh, special see, Sunday that's, night. That's okay. very sweet. All right. I, uh, yeah, I, I, got, I, I have, agree with that. I, I, have none, I have none of that with a, uh, a comfort food uh, with something I feel, in my past. I, f- I worry, and I don't want you to lie down right now because we're still working, but I do worry that you don't have a past that you look back at and, and have lovely warm thoughts not about. True. Just, not true at all. Okay, I'm just, <laughs> plenty of plenty I of great just, things in the past. I don't want you to think I feel that way because, you know, you like lean on the horn and then chase people that made a mistake in front of you. But that has colored my view of you forever. All right, let me get let me get something else here. God bless uh we just had her on Aura Hirsch Peskovitz. Remember the president of Oakland University. We had her on at the uh, fabulous Economic Club uh, event, remember? Yeah. Okay. She has an editorial uh, comment in the paper today where it's under the headline, University Presidents Must Speak Out Against Evil. University Presidents Must Speak Out Against Evil. And this is all about the Hamas massacre and what's been going on on our university campuses that is unacceptable. It's why UPenn, MIT, and Harvard are facing the music right now in Congress. They're testifying in Washington, D.C. So that is an issue, and God bless Ora Hirsch Peskovitz, the president there of uh, Oakland University, for uh, dealing with that and uh, talking about it. So she's got the courage of her convictions and is doing the right thing by speaking out about that. Now there's another story uh, right next to that that says um, hiking taxes will further shrink Michigan. Well, that's just, that just makes sense, doesn't it? We're worried about not having enough people in Michigan. We are not going to draw people to Michigan if we're known as a place that's raising taxes all the time. Is that right or wrong? That's right. There's a cartoon there, too, not a Henry Payne com- uh, cartoon, a Michael... Premieres or premieres.com. Um, it's a it's a laser tattoo removal shop, which I believe if I could buy stock in laser tattoo removal businesses, I think those are going to explode in the future. You understand what I'm saying there? The yeah. people who have yeah. regrets, you know, that tattoo that looked great when you were 22 mm, at 72. Eh, ah, I don't know. Anyway, um, and it's the guy saying, uh, the the tattoo removal guy is saying, so you just want the Santos tattoo removed? (laughs) Okay. You are not going to believe this bit of news. Anybody like sushi in the crowd here? Yeah. I love sushi. I I love sushi. sushi. It's good. Yeah. I love sushi. I love the ginger that comes with the sushi. And I even understand the importance of the wasabi, which I do not eat just like in a chunk of wasabi. I, I mix it in with the soy sauce. But listen to this study conducted in Japan. It suggests that there's more to sushi than just a healthy dose of fish and seaweed. I never knew what, what, the, what the researchers at Tohoku University found that wasabi, that spicy green condiment traditionally dabbed on the raw fish dish, listen to this, Wasabi, in this study, improves both short and long-term memory. Can you believe that? I guess. 
Um, or is this Japan just pushing? Uh, it sounds like they might just be pushing sushi. wasabi and, and sushi. And wasabi I and sushi. Know. I went uh, because of Eric Granowitz. He insisted I get up early. I hate getting up early. I always have. He insisted we get up early when we were in Japan and go to the Japanese fish market. And I am thrilled that we did that. We ran into a whole bunch of people from from the Detroit area who also were told, don't miss the Japanese fish market. You have no idea how large a tuna is, for example. We always see it, little pieces of tuna in a can of tuna fish or in a slab of tuna steak or tuna steak, whatever. But tunas are huge. But be that as it may, they had all that fish that goes out for sushi. And I had no idea that all of it gets frozen. You know, you go, well, I'm going to have fresh sushi. Well, it's all been frozen just to be safe, I guess. But next time you have your sushi, mix some of that wasabi in with the soy sauce, and they claim, and it couldn't hurt, but they claim it will improve both short and long-term memory. And I don't know about you, we could all use a little help in the memory department. Well, I'll speak for myself, because for as long as I can remember, I've had a bad memory. We continue on WJR. Thank you. Uh, I love our next guest. I've told her this before because she helps us. We've known her for years, and she's helped us for years. She is Susan Tompor, the personal finance columnist from the Detroit Free Press. And uh, sadly, uh, though scams are around all the time, they're a year-round thing, scams, unfortunately. But since shopping picks up now uh, for the holidays, it has triggered more opportunities for sophisticated crime rings to steal your account information and your money. Leave it to Susan Tompor to come up with some good ways, good advice, to help avoid scams and protect your money. Good afternoon, Susan. Good afternoon, Paul W. Yes, it's that time of year, and so many of us, uh, you know, maybe go to the stores but do some shopping online, or some folks do everything online now. Uh, one of the interesting things, when I was talking with some consumer watchdogs about this, and then, you know, once you hear about it, you see it suddenly start happening in your Facebook account. Uh, but they are coming up with these fake websites that will say, you know, 90% off at Lululemon or 90% off, um, you know, at, at a different store that you might be shopping at or maybe you're just looking online and all of a sudden you're getting a, a 90% off everything offer. Uh, these are a lot of these are really fake websites. Uh, one woman I talked to thought she had um, some good uh, good deals at Lululemon. Uh, stuff never showed up, and needed to dispute those sales. So, and when I noticed this, as I was looking for something online, and all of a sudden on the Facebook account, there's the same website at ninety percent off. Hmm. And so, you know, I mean, was, whether it was a coincidence or you know, uh, cookies or whatever you want to call it. This is happening uh, pretty regularly right now. Um, they're talking about these fake websites um, really being predominant this holiday season. And they're using brand names. It's not like it's, um, you know, just something that doesn't have a brand name. It's a brand name that they're impersonating, and they're uh, looking at, you know, a lot of the graphics look similar, a lot of the design is similar. So they're really just impersonating websites like they used to impersonate let me, the but IRS. Let me, but let me ask you this. If they, if these various websites have some kind of ability, I don't know if it's called an algorithm, I don't know what it is, but an ability to spotlight somebody with strong conservative or strong liberal values and they spew on the Internet, they get they get knocked off. Because there's a way that they catch them. Can't we expect them to catch criminals who are using brand names illegally? Can't, can't we expect them to catch them? Well, you know, you raise a good point, and so do some of the consumers that, you know, I've been chatting with uh, by email uh, when they've read this piece. Uh, exactly the point. I don't understand why it's not happening more. I don't understand why it's popping up more. Maybe, they're, maybe they shut some down. Maybe it's the whack-a-mole thing where they shut some down and others pop up and, um, but it certainly does seem uh, a bit ridiculous, you know, and this has been going on for a while. I think even before the pandemic, when, you know, shopping online really took off during the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, I met a gentleman who thought he had bought some Clark shoes on sale um, at Facebook. It wasn't a 90% off deal, but it was a deal and it was a fake website, you know, so this was happening 
uh, in the past. And you'll even if you go to like the Lululemon site, they'll tell you they have a whole list there of how to watch out for a fake. Oh, website. they do. They do. How Absolutely. about that? Yeah. <laughs> so they know about it, and they're trying to you know get you to. But again, it's up to the consumer. And, and you and I have talked about this before. Why why is it up to the consumer? Why can't uh, there be more effort to crack down on some of this, and I, and I'm sure there will be, but you know it's still ongoing. Uh, another thing that you know you and I probably talked about earlier in the year were these uh, texts that were being sent. It looked like it was impersonating your bank, and I, I really want to make sure to bring that one up again because that is going on where uh, it looks like the bank's texting you and they'll tell you that there's a been a transaction or you know that uh, fraudsters are tapping in and stealing money and i knew somebody who this you know uh, they caught him off guard this is a time of the year when we're all very busy very easy to catch us off guard and if somebody's telling you that they're from your bank and they're still you know some fraudster stole money that sounds plausible but it's not and uh, they are going to try to get you to transfer your money to some sort of Zelle account where they're able to steal the money. Oh, jeez. Oh, my. <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. So this is not, um, this is no fooling around kind of thing. You just don't want to, you just don't want to engage. Do not engage. I'm, so my, I'm, my husband always tells me that. Do not engage. Well, and he's a, and he's a wise man. <laughs> he um, used to be my editor. But anyway, um, a quick uh, note here. Being what I'd like to think of as being a fine Susan Tompor school of uh Hard Knocks uh, student, if you use your credit card, are you protected at all? You're protected more than with that debit card. Don't use a debit card. I don't own a debit card. I've never liked them. But don't use a debit card on these things. It's a direct access to your bank account. Right. And, uh, you know, you are able to dispute some things with debit cards, but it's much easier to dispute it with a credit card and never, ever, ever use gift cards. That's another thing the consumer watchdogs are saying. If you're on some website and they can only let you purchase something through a gift card or, um, you know, through maybe Zelle or some other sort of thing and they don't offer a credit card option, that's another red flag. You don't want to be dealing with somebody who says, you can only buy this if you uh, input, you know, credit card information or give me, uh, I'm sorry, input uh, gift card information or give me a gift card. Um, that's another surefire way to steal your money. And you won't get the item that you order. I mean, and that's really important. It sounds obvious, but you're not going to be getting what you order. In some cases, um, you might get a box in the mail that has like a cord in it or something ridiculous. Um, and again, we also want to watch out for the counterfeits. Some of these deals sound really good um, because it's a counterfeit uh, handbag. It's a counterfeit uh, designer sweater. So be careful on that one, too. Well, and, and there's still those phone people out there apparently trying to get you to just say yes. <laughs> so, you know, say, can, can you hear me? And you go, yes. And then they hang up and you go, I wonder why they did that. Well, they did that because they're not going to use your yes for a whole bunch of stuff you don't want. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so I don't know. it's getting to a point where we can't go outside, we can't go online, and we can't answer the phone. <laughs> My yeah. goodness. Of course, life would be simpler then. But anyway, Susan, God bless you and the whole family. And uh, I, I'll, I may talk to you before Christmas. If not, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus, Happy whatever you celebrate. We celebrate it all here on the Paul W. Smith Focus Show. Thank you, Susan. Oh, thank you, and have a wonderful season. You be well. Thank you much, as we continue on WJR. All righty, uh, Time Magazine will release their, uh, their, their person of the year tomorrow. Person or thing now. It's, it could be anything. If you were betting on, uh, on uh, Taylor Swift, that probably is a good bet. If you were betting on Barbie, that could be a very good bet. We'll see. Anyway, um, and we have a presidential debate. Isn't that tomorrow? I think it is tomorrow in Alabama. Meanwhile, uh, you're looking to, to shop, and we've always promoted shopping in, in Michigan. Well, first of all, we promoted shopping in your neighborhood with the, the small, local, family-owned business. That's a good place to start. Then also, just shopping uh, maybe online, if you need to, for Michigan businesses. Now, uh, we've got uh, Franklin... Dohannes, who's been doing this for a while now, Public Relations, Franklin Publicity. He's got the 2023 From Michigan with Love gift basket gift guide. And a lot of people send 
gift baskets. A lot of people like me have sent to Original Murdoch's Fudge, OriginalMurdochsFudge.com, because it's a fabulous gift. There are others out there. About 40% of people are cutting back on their holiday spending. About 60% will be purchasing online, according to uh, uh, Franklin. Let's talk to him. Franklin, nice to have you back at WJR. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Tell me about some of these great Michigan businesses that we might not be thinking about, but we should around the holiday gift-giving time. Sure. I mean, we've got them all over the state, and uh, one that comes to mind right away is Alden Millhouse. It's up in Alden, Michigan, near Torch Lake, and they do spices and all kinds of great things and dips and jams and stuff, and they've got over 33 custom spice blends, and they've got uh, baskets. You know, the, the big thing this year is gift boxes and gift baskets, and they've got a wonderful basket that's got like five spices and a dip and some jam and it's a great gift for anyone really all right uh, alden millhouse mm-hmm. alden millhouse.com a-l-d-e-n millhouse.com mm-hmm. i see better made snacks and foods i just saw better made licorice in a store my store down the street fresh farms great little store i saw mm-hmm. i saw better made licorice i had no idea they made that oh yeah licorice pretzels cheese corn cheese puffs you name it we make great it. great theater popcorn made. Great theater mm-hmm. popcorn, yeah. It is. It's the best. And, you know, they're in their 93rd year, still in Detroit, still family-owned, same family, just wonderful people. And they also have uh, two new flavors out of uh, snack foods, and it's just it's a fun company to be with. It really is. Bettermade.com, bettermade.com. Um, how about uh, the Heart of Michigan in Howell, heartofmi.com, heartofmi.com. Tell us about Heart of Michigan. It's everything you dreamed of as a kid having in your refrigerator. Bagel, oh. Verner's, uh, 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 old peanut butters that aren't made anymore. Uh, Velvet brand is made there, are sold there. Just all kinds of great things that we like to eat, including better made products. And you can get these gift baskets and you can have them customized with all kinds of Michigan products. You can go into the store and howl and just pick out whatever you like. And take it that way, or you can put it in a basket. It's it's a lot of fun. Good and store. And in, in Holland, Michigan, it's Michigan Awesome. And, in fact, mm-hmm. you go to michiganawesome.com, michiganawesome.com. They've been in business since 2009. What are we going to find there? The Their gift boxes feature, like, artisan foods from across Michigan. It's The packaging they use in this company is amazing. All die-cut Michigan, you know, outlines with blue backgrounds and uh, they have mugs, stemware, all kinds of great things. And, uh, again, great baskets for the whole family. All right. Uh, the Pinconning Cheese Company, uh, that's pinconningcheese.com. That kind right. of, uh, as the cheese capital of Michigan, goes without saying. How about the Toffee Store in Oakland? Oh, the yes. toffeestore.com. It's got my attention. <laughs> I'm not much of a toffee guy until I met Heidi Patterson, who owns a store. She makes the best toffees I've ever had. And, again, Gift boxes galore, just the toffeestore.com. You'll find everything you need for family, friends, employees, all that stuff. And then there's finally the Artisan Gift Box, mm-hmm. which is an That's assortment nice. of the best gourmet edibles. Mm-hmm. It's filled with all kinds of Michigan-made items, plus her really good toffee, and it's just a great basket to send. Uh, it's only $100, and it just, you name it, it's in there. That's the Artisan Gift Box from the Toffee Store. Yes. TheToffeeStore.com. And finally, Mm -hmm. uh, Gilbert Chocolates in Jackson, Michigan. That's a big name that people remember. I would presume it's GilbertChocolates.com. Mm-hmm. I've had chocolate in three different countries, and i got to tell you, Paul, this is the best I've ever had. Well, there you Mm -hmm. have it. An official official thumbs up from the man who's had (laughs) chocolate in three different countries. Franklin Mm -hmm. Dohanis, thanks for keeping it going, Franklin, and for keeping uh, these great opportunities in Michigan uh, alive and in everybody's uh, for their attention. We appreciate that, Franklin. Thanks much. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Take care. Thanks very much. We continue at WJR. All righty. Happy to have Jared Fleischer on to close out the show. He's Vice President, Government Affairs and Economic Development for Rocket the rocket companies, and he's going to talk about a topic that uh, that came up again recently uh, when uh, Carol Kane did the interview uh, with Dan Gilbert at one of their uh, breakfasts. I think it was it could have been the Detroit Free Press breakfast. I, I think that's what it was. Anyway, um, we're here to talk about mass transit, 
And, uh, and well, let me first bring on uh, Jared. Jared, uh, welcome to the uh, Focus Show with Paul W. Smith. Nice to have you here, sir. Good afternoon, Paul. Glad to be on. I'm not sure everyone understands how the Q-Line came about solely because uh, Dan Gilbert understood the importance of mass transit. And we are so behind in Detroit. Having lived in New York for five, five years, I don't know what people would do without mass transit. But be that as it may, the Q-Line was installed between downtown and midtown Detroit for two reasons. Number one, it was just to make sure we can move people in downtown. That's real important. But the main reason, according to Dan, was to prove to the feds that we could actually get something done. And we did do that. Now, he wants to move on to the next step, Jared. He does. You know, Dan wants uh, our region to be a, a great region. He wants Detroit to be a, a great city. Uh, Paul, like you said, you look around the country, you look at the, uh, the great cities, you look at the cities that are growing, that are attracting young talent, dynamic companies. You know, they have uh, certain things in common, and one of them is they offer quality, modern mass transit. And our you know, region really does not. And Dan has been passionate about this from, uh, you know, going back to more than more than a decade. As you said, the Q-Line, which, by the way, the Q-Line is on pace to carry a million people this year. Uh, so if you come downtown for, you know, uh, holiday shopping, for holiday events, hop on it. It's a great way to get, you know, three miles up and down Woodward Avenue where all the, uh, you know, the major, um, you know, the museums, the you know, arenas, everything in our urban core is a great way to get around. But it was more than that, um, you know, what Dan realized that great cities, great regions have mass transit. The feds were looking at Detroit as a region that failed to do this, uh, you know, time and time again. By showing that we could all come together and get a significant transit investment done, the thought was that we could show the feds we're serious, we need business. And uh, we got it done, and you know, here we are a decade later. And uh, the project has been a great success, carried a million people a year. And if you just think about what the Woodward Corridor looks like today versus a decade ago before that project, you also see the power of transit to stimulate economic development. But in a sense, um, hmm, how do I say this? We've kind of failed on following the momentum that the Q-Line has given us. And what Dan has said, and I think what you're saying, Jared, is the more people, the more groups that get behind doing a regional system, the more chance we have of the feds funding it. They've done it elsewhere. Why not here? And as Dan has pointed out, think about how great it would be if you had lines going, say, to Metro Airport, up Woodward, all the way to Pontiac, and then going west, and then going east. In his words, it would be unreal. It would be a different city. And... uh, we keep trying to get more and more people to come to our great city, and we need to have the amenities that are, frankly, taken for granted in other great cities. So you're, you know what, I'm just going to rip off the mandate and say you're right. You know, we haven't succeeded um, regionally with that, with that vision yet. Uh, let me tell you what has happened. So Secretary of Transportation for the United States, Ray LaHood, he said, before we're going to uh, approve funding for the Q-Line, we're going to hold you to the, the bigger idea, which is this needs to be a catalyst for regional transit. So this is way back, you know, in 2012. And with that, you know, mandate momentum from the you know, United States government, we went and for the first time, you know, we'd failed like 22 or 23 previous times, we got a regional transit authority in place for Metro Detroit, Okay. Now, in 2016, that authority went to the ballot, and we came uh, 1% short in a millage to build out a brand-new regional system. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't had incremental successes. So you've seen much better coordination between the city's bus system and a suburban bus system. You go back 10 years, and used to have suburban buses driving down Woodward. They wouldn't pick up a Detroiter. I remember. Okay? You remember yeah. that. You know, you'd have a bus go to 8 miles, stop, turn around, and then you'd have to get on a suburban bus. There was no suburban bus. It wasn't coordinated. Yeah. So you've had, you know, um, much better coordination of it. Winds like that. The bottom line, the lesson we learned is we need to not go for, you know, this grand slam home run vision, this big tax. Let's not think of a regional system. Let's think of regional projects. Let's get a rapid transit line on Woodward. Let's get one going east, going west. Not a system, but projects. Let's give the people what they want. Let's prove they work. 
Let's make progress that way. That's the Thank focus you, Jared. right now. Thank you. Give Dan and Jennifer Gilbert our, our thanks for all that they continue to do. And Jared Fleischer as Vice President, Government Affairs and Economic Development Rocket Companies to you as well. we got to go. Uh, Take thanks care, to thank the you. Thank you. Thanks to the team, the team, the team, Dave Rigger, Daniel Mason, Rich Luzinski. JR Afternoons coming up next with Chris Renwick. Go on out and make it a great rest of the day on your way to making each and every day count each day as a gift. Have you streamed us yet? Go to the WJR app or WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home and do it. Regards, Paul W. Smith.